We're fresh into a new year. And this time of year is one of re-evaluation, decision-taking and renewal for a lot of you out there. This week, you'll hear Inês Thomas Almeida's recount of 20 years starting in a biology bachelor's and leading to a PhD project in musicology, with many twists and turns in between. Inês brings a story of self-questioning, of determination, of resilience, of dealing with mental health issues and of reinvention. So stay tuned. It will be worth it. Well, I have to say I am very glad that my uh, life turned in all these ways and all these confusing curves and roundabouts because now I have this maturity which turns out it's very, very good for me, for my PhD and for academia. I think I would not see things the way I do if I was 20 years younger. Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. So today I'm having tea with Ines Thomas Almeida, someone that I've known for a long, long time, since, uh, since uh, biology in the Faculty of Sciences of the University of Lisbon. Ines has a very interesting and, uh, and uh, you know, very uh, peculiar path. She's not in biology anymore, but I'm, I'm going to let her tell you what she's been doing ever since. And uh, that's it. Uh, she's an example of coming back to academia after a long, long time away, let's say. So welcome, Inish, to Papa PhD. And I'll uh, let you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, where you come from, where you are today, and what different steps brought you to where you are. Thank you very much. Uh, well, my path has been indeed very, very peculiar. Um, I'm Portuguese. Actually, I'm half Portuguese, half Dominican, so I was born in the Dominican Republic. My mother comes from there and my father is Portuguese, so I'm a mixture of many things and I think this shows up in my whole life. Um, I started studying biology at university, um, but I must say I had, be I had been studying music uh, since I was 11 years old, so music was always very present in my life. And uh, as the time came to choose what you want to study at the university, because I always knew I wanted to go to the university, so uh, uh, as the time came to choose what I would like to study, I decided to go to biology because I always had this um, urge to learn more about science and I, I, I my whole life I had been learning and, and Uh, experimenting things with science. I, I, I studied I, uh, chemistry at the high school and everything, so I was very, very interested in this. So I went to the university to study biology, but I still had my music classes going on because I was at uh, uh, a music school in Lisbon. It's not a conservatory, but it's uh, also a music school which uh, goes up to the, the, the whole music study you have to go in order to play an instrument very well. My instrument was piano, so I had eight years of very extensive piano practice, and I was still doing this as I entered the 
university. And this sets up the first big choice Inej had to make. So I was there and uh, I was a student of biology at the University of Lisbon at the Faculty of Science. And I was also ending my piano course. And at the end of the piano course, I had to study about seven or eight hours a day because it was very uh, huge, uh, the amount of things I had to learn and to play very, very well and very rapidly. So I was very divided between two things. And at this time also, I discovered that I had a voice, so to speak. I discovered that I loved to sing and then my, my singing voice was... Um, not so bad. Had some peculiar things that I could use if I did have the, the, the proper training. So I was very divided in my biology course. And at some point I decided to stop the biology course and to um, study only music. This decision marked the first big pivot in her academic and professional life. And it was not without challenges. This was a very, very difficult decision for me to take because at the time I, did, I didn't know very well what I could do professionally in music or I had this dream of, of being a professional music, but, but I, don't, um, I, I didn't know exactly if it was possible, it, if it was just a dream, um, if it was in practical ways uh, something doable. But I decided to take this step anyhow. So I quit my biology course to the very disapproval of my parents, which were completely shocked. Um, but I decided I'm very stubborn. I'm a very, very stubborn person. And I, when I decide something, I do this till the end. So I did this. And I started studying music only as the main thing in my life. So the step was done, but how could I proceed? In, in, in becoming a professional musician. So I, I, I had these singing classes. Uh, I studied some years alone with a private teacher. And at some point I, I entered, I did the, the examinations for the um, Superior Music um, School here in, in, in Lisbon. It, it's a, a school uh, like an university where you can have your major degree in music. So I entered this and I was only one year there because my singing teacher uh, moved to another city in Portugal which is called Évora so I was living in Lisbon and as my singing teacher was uh, was going to another town I went as well to another town so I quit this first year at the university, so to speak, of music, and, and I went to the University of Évora in order to uh, continue my voice studies. Again, this decision meant closing an unfinished chapter, this time to follow her mentor and follow up her voice studies. So my parents were very, very uh, um, shocked by now because I, it was the second time I quit uh, a university uh, course. This, now, uh, this time I went to Évora, and as I was there in Évora, in this other city, I uh, realized that the uh, material possibilities of this university at the time were very, very bad. We had almost no place to study, no pianos, no... Uh, it was 
everything was do was done under the the minimum um, line you have to you need to have in order to learn properly and these were very very rough conditions and i decided you know i didn't quit my biology course and my music course in lisbon to come here and 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 do a, and, and and study voice under the desirable conditions so i started uh, looking where could i go in order to study uh, uh, voice properly At the time, I had the uh, chance uh, of participating in some. Actually, I did not participate. I was chosen. I, I had. Um, I was uh, chosen as the very best student of the university in the course of music, uh, two years in a row. So I, I had this public ceremony where the minister of education in Portugal came to give me a medal, and 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 there was also uh, some money in the prize. Mm -hmm. And I used this money, these two years where I was awarded the, the, the best uh, student at university, I used this money to, in order to go to Vienna. Because in my imagination, if you want to study music and if you want to study uh, voice and you want to become an opera singer, you know, it's very tricky. You don't know which uh, music uh, teacher, which uh, coach you should take. But, you know, in Vienna, they should know. So in my imagination, I go to Vienna and I just look if I find someone who can teach me. Um, and I did. I uh, went to Vienna. They had these international master classes in summer. And I went there with this money, with this uh, prize I, I had been given. And I remember, you know, I, I, I was the best student at university. I had this award i went to vienna and and uh in, had this inscription for a, an international master class in, in voice with a very well-known uh, soprano and i went there and she told me no 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 i can't take you as a student because you're very bad you don't have the minimum requirements to come come here so if you want to you can listen but i cannot teach you because there's nothing i can do about your voice so Can you imagine my shock as I heard this because I thought I was the best? And she told me, no, 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 your voice is nearly ruined. It's, it's very bad. So there's nothing I can do about this. Well, but I was, I was in Wien. I was in Vienna. So I said, okay, but if you allow me, I, I will listen to the others. And maybe I can learn something by, by, by listening. So I did. And every day of this masterclass, which took two weeks, I was there. I was the very first person to come to the master class. I, the whole time, I was taking notes and writing. What did she say to this tenor? What did she say to this mezzo, this soprano, and so on? And at some point of the master class, the teacher told me, "You know, I've been watching you. You come here every day. You're the first to come. You're the last to leave, and you're very concentrated, uh, writing everything. And you know." You, you seem to be, to be very interested, really, in learning. So I'm going to give you a chance. So tomorrow, if you want, at 8 o'clock in the morning, before the master class starts, if you want, you come here and I will listen to you and I will tell you something. This episode shows how perseverance and steadfastness can help you get a foot in the door and get the attention of, of someone in a domain that interests you. Let's see how it went from there. 
So I was very, very excited and, and I prepared, I, I, I barely uh, slept this, this night because I was so nervous. So the next day I went there at eight o'clock, which for a singer is the very worst moment of the day to sing. So I came there and I sang and she told me, okay, this is very bad. You, you need to do everything differently, but I could teach you. I could teach you, do this exercise, do this, this, this thing and this one. And I started doing these exercises and I noticed a big, a huge change in my voice. So this was the kind of exercise I needed and the kind of training I needed. So for me, it was very clear that I wanted to study further with this opera singer. So the masterclass ended, I returned to Portugal, and for me, the only purpose in my life was to find some money to go abroad and have classes with this opera singer. So I did, I, I continued uh, going to the, uh, the voice uh, course in, in this university, in this music university I was, uh, but I took every single side job I could. I did everything, everything. I sold cigarettes at the beach. I was, because I had this biology background, I, I worked at the Science Museum in Lisbon. I, I did every, I did babysitting, everything. So I, I, I worked so hard I could um, gather some money and then with this money I would go to Vienna or to Hungary, mm -hmm. to Budapest because she lived also in Budapest, or to Germany because she was always in one of these three countries uh, teaching. And this lasted two years. For two years, I was always coming and going. You're following her around. Following her wherever she was. And in these two years, I, I saw uh, the German uh, music schools and I saw that the German uh, kind of singing technique was something which interested me very, very much. So I decided, you know, it's so annoying and so expensive, all these uh, f um, tickets and having no money and having to work these side jobs in order to come and to go and to fly to Germany and, and back. Maybe if I lived in Germany, maybe I could still have this kind of training and then it was it would be all in one, it would be much not, simpler. it was much simpler and not so expensive. So I did this and so I went to Germany on 2003 I went to Germany, I, I did some examinations for lots of schools and I um, got to choose at the end which one I, I wanted and so I ended at the Hochschule für Musik und Theater Rostock, uh, it's on the north of Germany and I studied there singing. So this was the only course which I graduated. Mm -hmm. After five years I graduated in opera in this uh, university and Finally, my parents were very, very happy. It, 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 it had been a long, long path, so I graduated. Uh, and I started my career in Germany as an opera singer. So I sang in lots of uh, theaters, small ones, but, but I did. And I, I, all, all, I even uh, got uh, an award, an international award. So I was very, very happy because now I was becoming awards of uh, something which I, in my field, would. So I, I had battled so much, I had struggled so much for this, and now I, now I was there. So I was very, very happy. But then it happened one thing which happens to lots of people and lots of women, which is I decided to have kids. I decided to have children. 
And you know, as as my years as an opera singer in Germany, I was living in a train mostly. I was traveling from north to south to east to west, three weeks here, ten weeks there, two weeks here, eight weeks eight weeks there, in different opera productions or concerts or um, auditions, whatever. And at some point, I was very uh, tired and I wanted to settle. And I wanted to live in Berlin because I had fallen in love with uh, some Berliner uh, guy and I wanted to have children with him. Uh, and in Berlin, you have like thousands of very good opera singers for very few uh, vacant uh, positions. So um, it's very difficult. And I decided, you know, I want to be here and I want to have kids and I want to see them go to the same school and I don't want to be uh, always traveling. I want to be here. So I decided again to take one step back and and redefine my life and do something differently. So I quit the opera career. I decided I had... uh, I had already had these 15 minutes of fame I should have. I had uh, been singing different stages and I could sing with different very uh, renowned and, and, and wonderful opera singers and, 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 and coaches and whatever, and maestros. And uh, I had been given awards and I, I decided, you know, it's, it's very good. Let's, let's leave it like this so I'll have very good moments to remember and to share, but now I'll do something different. I wanted to turn the page and I wanted to do something different. It was always also very, um, uh, it it was really tiring, you know, all this time in the train and the competition is so huge. You don't imagine this. You think that the music life and the music uh, world is is so nice. You just do what you want, but it's horrible. The competition is really frightening. At this point, Inês described how deciding to have children meant changing career paths again and finding new outlets for her creativity. So I decided to do something differently, but I didn't know what. And I was pregnant. I remember I worked until the very end of my first pregnancy. I I was eight months uh, pregnant as I stopped working. So it was really, I was entering the, uh, the last month of the pregnancy. So it was really extreme. So finally, I had some time for myself. The baby came to the world and I did not know what I should do. But I did not want to come back to this competitive competitive opera singing world. And I know that I had this call. My baby was seven weeks old and I was trolling with lots of diapers and uh, milk. And, and, and I, I, was, I was going mad, actually with the baby and I had this phone call and it was like hello uh, are you Miss uh, Ines Thomas Almeida yes yes it's me oh it's uh, for, I'm, I'm uh, calling you uh, from the first lady of Portugal the first lady wants to invite you to come to a, uh, to a lunch to an official lunch because the first lady of Germany is visiting in a, an official visit uh, with uh, the, the president of Germany, not the uh, chancellor, the, the president, uh, is visiting, is making a, a, an official visit to Portugal. So, of course, we decided to invite you to this lunch. And I was like, 
you know, it's, I'm very tired. I don't want, you know, you're just doing some funny joke, but I, I you know, I'm not interested in a joke. No, no, it's not a joke. It's true. But, but why would you invite me? You know, I was full of, of diapers and things. And then why, why would you invite me? And then I, okay, because uh, the, the, um, the first lady wants to uh, have some, wants to have a lunch with people who somehow um, are Portuguese but were in Germany doing something, you know, can, the, 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 there are somehow a bridge between these two countries. And I, I, that it had been, there had been some, some uh, news on the newspaper about me because I, I had won some award in singing. So your name came up in so there. So my name came up and they just called me. And I said, why not? I'm not doing anything. So I came, I, I took a, a plane to Portugal and I had this, this lunch with the first lady of Portugal and the first lady of Germany. And in this lunch, there was this incredible writer, Portuguese writer, Tiolinda Gersão, who uh, had studied also, lived uh, one year in Berlin. And I, I did not know her and I, I learned her, I saw her for the very first time there at this lunch. And I remember thinking, you know, these people all are a bridge between Portugal and Germany. And this was so interesting. So the, the first ladies, okay, they did their job. But the, the people who were there at this lunch, they were so interesting. They had such incredible stories to tell. And and I, I was like, you know, it's such a pity that I am the only one hearing these stories. They Everyone should know this and should know these bridges, this, this particular, this, 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 uh, similar things and these different things between these two countries. So I came back to Germany with my si seven-week-old baby, and I had this idea: maybe I could do something in order to, you know, to connect these two countries or to speak about the connections of these two countries. So I, I, I uh, give this lots of uh, thoughts, and and six months later, I launched a magazine, an online magazine called Berlinda which was an uh, attempt to do some cultural um, work and to talk about the culture of Portugal and of the Portuguese-speaking countries in Germany. Mm -hmm. This was a huge success. It was such a big success that after a few months, I decided to organize a big cultural festival in Berlin mm -hmm. for the uh, a a cultural festival for the Portuguese uh, culture and for the culture of the Portuguese-speaking countries. And I did this. I, you know, I said I, I am very stubborn, and I am. So I decided to do this, and I spent one year of my life just finding out how could I have some money, how could I uh, find the, 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 the funds, the funding for this festival. And I did it, and I managed to find huge fundings, and I did a very nice cultural festival, uh, one, one month uh, of duration in Berlin, and I could invite people of Mozambique, of Brazil, of Portugal. Any Angola. of the Portuguese-speaking communities that were already in, in Berlin, I guess. Yes, uh, and of course the, the, the people who were already there, and, and I could show for a very uh, much bigger audience what they were doing, and and it was really really nice. It had literature, it had uh, cinema and music and and arts. It was really really nice. C can I ask you how how did you go about uh, you know meeting and the people and getting the know how on how to get the funding? Oh, 
I just bought everything single book I I, I, I found about uh, fundraising and such things and I used my my skills in you know communicating with people and everything and I always had one idea which uh, was my rule actually one rule I, I discovered and I imposed myself which was I decided I was going always going to speak only to the person who decides I never never submitted something you know like there's a uh, um, I don't know a contest for something or you there's a chance you you can submit your proposals I never submitted a proposal never I waited sometimes I waited six months because I wanted to know who is the person who is going to decide and to this person I submitted the proposal. I never, never, ever, you know, uh, for instance, I remember I wanted to have uh, uh, fundings for the, from the, the um, German uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs. I know that they, they I, I knew that at the time that they did this kind of uh, fundings, but, but, I, but I did know how, I did not know how to uh, get to them. And I thought, you know, if I just write a proposal to the ministry and say, I have this wonderful idea, let's do this and that, it's going to land on a pile on a secretary. And in 10 years, they have not seen them, seen it. And and, and if they did, they are going to tell, you know, there's a pile, there's some, oh, I'm, I'm, we're very sorry, but no. So I, I decided I'm going to wait and I'm going to find out who decides this. And after six months of going to every cocktail in these embassies, of asking people, and you know, at the cocktails I would just speak, you know, I have this idea, but I don't know. At some point, I found the person who decides this. Not the person, actually. I found someone who knew who who this person was. And this person was an, a, a former ambassador, which was already retired, and he said, you know, a former German ambassador, he said, oh, this is very interesting. You must talk to this person people to this, uh, he's called like this so-and-so. No, it was one, she's called so-and-so. And I was like, oh, and how do I get to so-and-so? Oh, I will call them and I will say that you are going to write, oh, thank you. So so as I called this person and I showed the proposal, I already had the, you know, like uh, the, the presentation of someone who found that this was a good idea. And I got these fundings. Because, of course, the proposal was good. Otherwise, I, 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 would, I would not have the funding. But I, I always, it was a very uh, bit of, a very, not a bit. It was lots of diplomatic work. Okay. And so patience, is, I and guess. And patience, because <laughs> it, it, it lasted for a whole year. So uh, at some point, I did this festival. And the thing is, the, the, then the page turned, because the festival was very uh, successful, and lots of people came at, at one uh, evening, I remember I was uh, showing uh, a film from Onjaki. He's an, uh, a writer and a filmmaker of Angola, and the house was full of Angolans, and and not only, but a lot of people of Angolan. And at the end, uh, uh, some some uh, guy came to me and told me, you know. Uh, I want to congratulate you. It's so nice, so nice. It's so, such a pity that no one uh, does this kind of work, not on the cultural side, but for these poor kids on the hospital, mm-hmm. which are there uh, having so many difficulties. And I was like, which hospital kids are you talking about? You don't know the hospital kids here in Berlin, the Angolan hospital. And I was what? So I, I was very 
uh, curious and I wanted to know what this was. Before going on with the interview, I want to thank you for listening to the show. If you like an episode and feel that it's helped you or inspired you in any way, share it with your friends. Maybe it will inspire them too. If you have a question or a theme that you'd like to see covered in our interviews, you can now simply go to anchor.fm forward slash PhD and record a message to be featured in one of our future episodes. And be sure to follow Papa PhD on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. At the end of the previous section, we saw how Inish found her way into the domain of cultural promotion and how she was about to be propelled into the domain of community support. So I, I, did, I was too tired and I did not know what to do. Uh, in the meantime, I had uh, two kids, not just one. I had the, my second one also, and they were very small. And I had a nervous breakdown. I, I just collapsed. And I did not know what to do. It was too much for me. I, I, I remember I, I had the feeling I had all the, the, the worries of the whole community over my head. So it was a very, very difficult time for me. And for a year, I, I could not do really, I, I couldn't do properly anything. Uh, and and I knew this was a turning point. I had to turn the page because otherwise the page will not turn ever. I would stay there forever or not even stay. <laughs> so so at some point I I I, I had uh, medical help. I had uh, I went to the psychologist and I, I had everything to do. I I I, I did therapy everything because it was really a very very uh, difficult moment for me. So after the therapy I gathered myself together and I asked myself again the question, what will I do next? Mm -hmm. And I know, I knew I did not want to continue this social thing and this, it was too big. This NGO had grown too big for me. And I decided to come back to Portugal mm -hmm. with my kids. And luckily there were all, Almost uh, immediately, uh, some group of people, they decided, okay, we'll take your NGO from now on. So it still works without me, which is wonderful. It's yeah. something I created. And it's a legacy. It, it's a legacy. <laughs> I, I don't do anything for this NGO and they still work. And this is for me a very, very nice thing. So I decided to come back to, come back to Portugal. And, you know, I, I, I was like... My whole life I had been the best student of this and the best student of that. And now I'm just, I, I, I want to go back to, to studying and to learning things. This would be a nice thing to do. Instead of trying to resolve and to solve the, the problems of the whole community, I'm going to do something which is good only for me, just for me, you know. And maybe if it's good for me, maybe in this way, maybe who knows, indirectly, maybe I can help others. If not, it's okay. So you gave a lot, it, it was a heavy load on your shoulders, your body, your, your you, you know, suffered and you had to take a break and then pivot to something different, which was more, uh, you know, taking care of, of your, yourself and, and your, I guess, your curiosity and your will to learn more, right? Yes, exactly. I, I, I wanted to do, to, to do something just for me and to center on my own needs. Mm -hmm. 
and on my own intellectual needs because after all I, I, I had been away from academia and from university for seven years so I decided maybe I go back so I decided to call one of my teachers from the time I was awarded back then the best student of the University of Evora I called him and he's a very 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 renowned and and uh, important uh, musicologist in Portugal so he's a musicologist it means he's doing um, research on music and I I told him he was very very nice he invited me to take a coffee at his place and I told him you know I I, I just want to come back I don't know maybe I don't know which possibilities, and he was like, maybe you, you could do um, a PhD. A PhD, you know, I, 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 I majored in, in, I graduated in, in, in opera, and I did not want to come back to opera. I did not want to do something with this. It was, you know, it, this page had been turned so many years ago. So um, I remember he was saying, okay, well, I don't know. Well, do you want a cup of coffee? Maybe we, we'll st- talk after this, can I uh, fix you a cup of coffee? Oh, yes, thank you. Please do. So he went to fix this cup of coffee. And for a few minutes, I was there in his living room. And I saw these wonderful, um, um, how do you say, portraits and, and, and lots of, of uh, images he had in this uh, living room. And some of them I recognized. There were this description of the uh, something which happened in the 17th, in the end of the 17th century, as the the Portuguese, um, not the queen, but the daughter of the queen, went to um, she married the, the the king of England. So there was this huge embassy coming from England to Portugal, and they took her uh, to go to London and to marry the king. And I recognized this image. Oh, this is uh, this one. Oh, yes. And he, my, my teacher came with a coffee. Oh, yes, but uh, do you recognize his wife? Oh, because my, my late uncle, uh, which had uh, passed away less than a year uh, ago by then, uh, my late uncle, he w- studied the, six, the 17th century. It was some, one, one interest of, 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 of his. And, and he, I remember as a kid, to, um, I remember being at his place and he showing me these this whole images and talking. You know, I, I, I love these uh, things and I love uh, the, the, to know the, the, the things which the travelers back then told uh, about Portugal and about what they saw because this is was one point that my uncle studied back then. So I remember, I, I recognize this image because this image depicts something that the travelers of the time saw in Lisbon. And my teacher told me, but there you have, you have a wonderful thing to study on your PhD. It was be, it, that, that would be very nice. I was like, what, what, what? Yes, you could take your German skills you could uh, write some PhD about the the German travelers who came to Portugal and, told and what they and, reported. And what they reported about music, <laughs> and then you have you can do your PhD in musicology. You talk about music, but you you have this uh, bondage to your to your uh, uncle and to your the things you like. And I was like, oh, so I I, I was very very thankful because I thought this this is a great subject, and so I started. It was. Um, three and a half years ago. So I'm now finishing my uh, PhD in musicology. So uh, about the the German gaze, the music in Portugal in the late 18th century, according to German uh, travelers. And this is wonderful. I love this subject. I My whole life now turned to this 
PhD and to uh, I, I spent my whole days just looking at some old 18th century German manuscripts uh, in Kurrenschrift, which is the, the their their Gothic uh, manuscript um, way of, of writing. It, it's it's horrible, and I love it. So seven years after I stop I, I, after I, I ended my I concluded my um, singing my opera course and many many years after I stopped my biology course I came back to academia and I'm writing my PhD and since then I already published lots of papers in international uh, venues I, I, I do lots of talks I'm I get invited to talk about this subject I, I discovered that I have lots of things to say about this subject which which uh, fascinates me so now I'm back to the academia writing a PhD about music about the 18th century so this is really uh, well you know life is uh, moves in particular ways and mine did it's a bit of a roundabout way to come back to, the, to to studying and to doing a PhD, but clearly, and people are not seeing you, but it's something that clearly you love and you enjoy doing. And I guess you could go to sleep reading those uh, those uh, uh, things that, that you just mentioned. Uh, and how how does that translate into meeting new people, maybe traveling to go do talks? The, how how has that impacted? You know, how has that brought new things into your life that you thought that maybe you wouldn't? do because you know I started a family and uh, now I, so you came back to Portugal right to to, to do this uh, yeah how, how is it to be back in academia now in this other universe and in in, in this uh, theme that you love so much well I have to say I am very glad that my uh, life turned in all these ways and all these confusing curves and roundabouts and because now I have this maturity, which turns out it's very, very good for me, for my PhD and for academia. I think I would not see things the way I do if I was uh, 20 years younger. Because, you know, in these 20 years between going to biology for the first time and writing the PhD now, I did such uh, an amount of different things and all this work with the kids and, and everything. All these are life experiences which I can use for my PhD. And I do use them. And maybe, you know, people tell me that I have this uh, different kind of way of looking to things and that I sometimes can uh, tell things in a, in a way they never thought about. And I think this has to do with experience. The thing is, I, I'm, I'm 43 now. So I started my PhD with 40. Uh, and and actually, it's a great thing. I'm very thankful and very uh, glad that I did not start my PhD with 20 or with 25 because I would see things differently and I would not re have recognized some things. You know, I read a text of some guy or, or a woman who, who lived 250 years ago. And of course, there's there's uh, I read what they wrote, but I also read what they didn't wrote. I say, you know, that you he's trembling the hand. Maybe he was old, or she, or or oh, she's telling. Mm, I know. Oh, maybe she's jealous, or or he's doing something. You know, I see the, the intertext. <laughs> yes, the, it, it, this intertextuality. It's for me something very 
um, easy to to see because I, I I have two kids because I had a breakdown because I lived in a different country because I did I studied science because I studied singing because I was an opera singer because now I'm writing something which has to do with history you know there's so many things that come with life experience and this has been a very very good thing for me and I know for instance last week I had this conference in, in a very big uh, important uh, colloquium international thing and and I never ever had the feeling oh I had to struggle because I started my PhD later it's a blessing that I started my PhD later actually it's it's very very good it gives me another kind of uh, gaze a, a kind of uh, a global look into the thing and I can still concentrate on the, on this particular thing I'm working on but I have like this big thing this big uh, picture and uh, also I must say it's not easy to write a PhD with two small kids and this uh, I, I have the, the I, I am very lucky because uh, my, my parents live in, in Lisbon and they live on the same house on the same building uh, and so it's uh, easier for me to ask them if they can if they can uh, take care of the kids for an afternoon or something, or when I go to to a colloquium or everything like this. And um, it's not easy because this is the the, the most challenging thing for me. Uh, you know, when you have you when you're in the flow, you have this idea you want to write this, and you're like, oh, I for months I've been thinking on this subject, I've been struggling with these um, things I have here, and now I understand, okay, yes, now I'm going to write it. And you start, and, mommy, because it took my toy, and, oh, and you, and, and sometimes, you, oh, mommy, I have this question, yeah, no, no, but I need to ask you this, because it's about why do you have to die, and, oh, so you know you have to stop things, and close your book, and close your laptop, and say, okay, so, this is like, follows now now i'm going to talk with you and this gives also this you know this um uh this life flavor to your phd life is is it's what's happening to you it's not only your scientific thing it's everything and then you learn from it and you put all your life experiences all what's happened and what is happening to you on your phd and this is a, a rich this enriches your phd yeah. and i know for a fact that actually your kids life is enriched by, by by all the things you've done and by what you do today and and that's fun to see like if they want to do scientific experiments well who, who's who knows about biology and science mom right <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. that's amazing yes because they they were very at the beginning and, and they their teachers they're like but but their mother is was an opera singer she's writing a PG. why <laughs> on earth does she know some some things about so, so many things about electricity and and chemistry because in, in their uh, birthday parties i'm always the one who does this chemistry show or uh, two days ago I showed them how to um, create electricity from a potato mm -hmm. and they were like wow and you know I, I, I bring this on our lives and they love science mm -hmm. they love it and of course they love music and everything but from these things I, I did in, in my life like music and science they stuck to science and I'm always taking these things I've learned in, in, in chemistry, in biology, everything, and give them to the kids, and they're just so happy. I, I'm very happy that I did this 
crazy path because now I have lots of things to show to the kids and they're very, very happy. They And they cl clearly they love it and, and the robots and the, you know, there's those little robots. Some time ago <laughs> yes. it was amazing. I, I wanted to do one of those robots. <laughs> um, well, Inish, uh, you know, you, you, your story, it, it's, you know, it, there's a lot of chapters in it. There's good moments, bad moments, because life's like that, right? But the thing that I think is very cool that I, it's, is that I see you today and you're really passionate about what you're doing. And it looks to me like you could dig into this theme or in, into this area of studies forever. It's, I look at you and that's the feeling I get and, and be super fulfilled with that. And what you went through kind of proves it is be patient and you'll, you'll find your path but just be open to the experiences that, that show up during life. And, you know, in that frame of mind, and, and we're getting to the end of the, the episode, what I'd like you not to share is for people out there who, because not everyone knows when they get out of university exactly what they want to do. And, and uh, for, for those people who might feel, oh, maybe I'm inadequate, I should know what I, I want to do, or people who are stressed, why don't I know what I want to do? Why can't I define my path? Am I not, you know, normal like the other people around me? What can you share with them, you know, based on your experience in terms of advice to really take it easy in a way and, and take the opportunities that arise and give yourself time to reach that, that goal that might not be visible right now? Well, I think from my experience, what I've learned is fight for what you want. If you like something, if you want to do this, then go for it, just study, just work, just do whatever you have to do in order to follow this, but be open to whatever comes to you. Embrace whatever comes to you, because sometimes you're looking at your path and you think it's going to be a linear thing, and then if you're open, um, then you will see things you did not see, and maybe they are going to be much nicer. And, and you're going to enrich your path. And maybe at the end you will end there where, where you want it to end. But you've learned lots of things. So follow, be consequent, follow your, your line, study and, and don't be, uh, so, you know, just follow what you, whatever your dream is and whatever you want to do in your career, whatever, but be just open and and heart open to whatever comes to you and that said don't be too hard on yourself because you have time uh, i was uh, in my opera years i always heard oh it's too late oh we have you you have to oh, we all opera singers i have a, a, a thing with the age they all wanted to sing like if they're in their mid 40s but being in their early 20s And this, the age thing is, oh, oh, you're 30. No, you should be 29. And this is a huge thing. And what I've learned in this is nonsense. Age enriches you. So use your age and use all your experiences in order to follow this thing you wanted. And never think you're too old or you're, you should by now be knowing exactly what you want to do and you should know your path. No, this is not true. Your path comes in whichever way it has to come and you will follow it in whichever way you are going to see and whichever way is best for you just make the best uh, of what you have and and just be open to whatever comes to you because it will enrich you uh, that's perfect and what can you say again to help people who might be dealing with with mental health issues 
you know, in terms of dealing with taboos, with uh, self-doubt. Can you share something with the listeners on that side? Oh, of course, because I'm the champion of, of uh, the, the uh, breakdown. And I just had one in my life, but it was really, really big. So my only advice is get help, get professional help. You know, if you have a mental issue, this is something that most people see as a, a bad thing or it shows that you have problems and you're a complicated person. It's not at all. If you have a mental issue, you're like the most normal people in the world because almost everyone in some point of their life is going to have some mental issue. So it's like going to the dentist or like going to to orthopedist when you have a problem in your foot. Uh, if you have a pain on your uh, abdomen, you would not wait at home and say, oh, you know, I just have to, or if your tooth aches, you're just not going to say, oh, maybe if I smile more, maybe if I do some more sports. No, you go to the dentist. So if you have some mental problem, or if you have, if you're struggling with some difficulty, you, you, you seem that you don't seem to put things together, don't be ashamed. It shows that you're the most normal people in the world because almost everyone has this in some point of their lives. So go to a therapist, ask for professional help and never, ever feel ashamed of doing so. You're the very most normal people in the world. It's I'm the proof that it's possible to just go uh, further and just you know, you have a problem. Okay. Like I had an operation in my life. Okay. So I had a mental problem. It's okay. Then you go back to your work. You learn to live with this. Um, maybe it's something it's going to uh, accompany you for the rest of your life. And you're going to learn to live with that. Maybe it's something that gets fixed and you never, ever have to struggle with this. Anyhow, go to a therapist. He or she will tell you how it is. And it's perfectly normal so it's nothing to be ashamed of it's a pa it's a part of of your way and it's the most common thing and i learned because at some point i published my experience with uh, this um, uh, mental issue and with my nervous breakdown and everything and i was just so shocked to see how many people wrote me in private messages and talked to me and phoned me and called me to say, oh, me too, yes, I had this, oh, yes, me too, I did, I had this uh, at some point, and I was like, why don't you speak up? Everyone, everyone I know had this, so, you know, we feel so isolated, we, we feel like, oh, I'm so different, I'm, I don't know how to go further, I'm, I'm, I should know, I should be normal, no, normal is that you don't know more, more, more. This is normality, that you don't know, so you ask for help, just like you would if your tooth aches, so... Just be cool about this. Go to a therapist and you'll see that somehow you're going to learn more and somehow you're going to go further. Inish, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your story, which is, which is great. And, and thank you for your, your uh, input and, and your messages and your insights for, for the listeners out there. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas, and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests. Papa PhD.